welcome to the Go With Him podcast. My name is Yasmin. I'm the founder of Sanya. And in today's episode, I am introducing one of my favorite clients at Sanya, Alexia Massa Gallucci. Yeah, I got it right. <laughs> yes, you got it right. <laughs> Lex is a marine and fishery scientist. Um, she's a doctor as well. We can't forget that. Um, but that's not the reason why I invited you on this podcast. We're not going to be talking about fish today, although you usually manage to sneak it into the conversation. Your love for seaweed, will, will, will <laughs> your love for Posidonia will, will hopefully be... Um, Percolating through. <laughs> yes, thanks. <laughs> um, but like, the reason why I invited you here is because you've actually experienced a lot at Sanya. You've come to a lot of our retreats. You've done holding space twice, lots of breathing workshops. And one, I think... You have a lot to share on your inner journey. But also one thing I love about you is that you communicate and you express yourself in such a comic way. And I think spirituality sometimes can be a bit too serious, you know, and, and bringing that comedy and just laughing at ourselves and laughing at our own egos is such a good medicine. So to all the listeners out there, I'm really happy to bring this chat with you. We don't have any agenda. We don't know even what we're going to talk about. But usually on these podcasts, we just jam about the Go Within journey. We just share our own experiences, the struggles, the joys, the things that helped, the things that suck. My whole intention in this podcast is just to give support for people on the inner journey because I believe that is I don't want to say the solution, but yes, screw it, I'm going to say it. <laughs> the solution to so many of the issues that we struggle with on a personal level, but also on a societal level. There's so much beauty to be found in the inner journey. So I love inspiring that. So Lex, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Yasmin, for inviting me here. And as you said, yes, <clears throat> the inner journey is really uh, what... I think is the solution or also a saving grace in many, many ways, at least it's been for me. And it started over 10 years ago, but back in uh, when I was in Ireland, in Dublin, when I was finishing up my PhD. And that's where everything started from a meditation course. And then from that, uh, it kept progressing and I kept going deeper and deeper, but really getting into contact with um a tool that is meditation because it is a technique, no mambo jumbo, just heart training down onto a cushion and making part of your uh, daily routine. And that's the hardest part, keeping up, keeping up every day with it. And uh, then this opens up the door to use a tool that is mindfulness. And the more mindfulness and the more awareness you gain, then these really start touching every single aspect of your life. So I wish at the time they had a warning <laughs> when you sign up for a course of this kind of, because then it really, there is no one stone that is left unturned in you to your life. The more awareness you gain, the more things you start to see and the more you want to change. So change, it is possible. I am a witness of that. And actually I can witness that and I can prove that. And actually that is one of the reasons I kept then going because the difference of being on the journey and staying with the practice without being on a journey without the practice is massive. And uh, you just feel better, you act better, there is more space in your head. So this is what really brings you back to the caution and going back with your um, bum down to the caution and <laughs> keep practicing because it's uh, like you're flexing a muscle. And like anything you would do in a normal gym, you have to do it when you are meditating. So there is no easy solution or easy uh, shortcut you just have to do the work so that's one of the main the main thing and then I kept going deeper and deeper and <clears throat> in the last 10 years a good five oh, actually the last five uh, 10 years have been spent here in Malta and at Sanya that represented actually a very very important focal point for me for many reasons because not only it represented a place where I could come and come down and get in contact with people that are like-minded is very important. That's what creates a community that is supportive to your journey. And that in um, uh, the Buddhist tradition is called Sangha, not only in the Buddhist tradition, but also is important in all the other spiritual traditions because the community that supports you throughout the journey is what makes 
this uh, very, very lively um, process. It's nothing like prescriptive. It's nothing like uh, you have to, you know, people are not judging you, especially the people that are part of your community, but they are the one that supports you when you are down and uh, or when you break out, break in pieces or you just peel off <laughs> pieces of the Or you're, you're trying to crawl under the table. <laughs> <laughs> or you try to crawl under the table that becomes your... <clears throat> provisional cave when you hide or when simply you let go of another layer of your on- proverbial onion that is the, let's say the metaphor or well the analogy I use when you start to let's say shed and um, the other thing you learn uh, during this path is that it's not um, a linear path but it's rather a spiral path and the further you go along the path or the journey the deeper you go in, the deeper you go within. And that's a richness. That's a richness that you bring in everyday life. And uh, also you can um, apply this to your career, your professional life, your personal life. Again, as I said, there is no part of your life that is left untouched. There's no part of uh, no stone that is going to be left unturned. And that's really what pushed me forward. And it still keeps me keep going. Sometimes you wish it would be a little bit easier. As I said to you many times, I wish I could turn it off, but it doesn't work that way. It just you have to take a little break, talk to your community, those supportive people, and then keep going on on the journey. So, Silex, you're very good at this because I didn't even need to ask you the first question. <laughs> <laughs> which you, you already knew the first question before I even asked it because I usually always start the podcast with like, what brought you to the Go Within journey? And okay, so like you did a meditation course, but what even was it that triggered your interest? Because we're not grown, we don't grow up knowing that we can turn to these things and that these kind of tools can bring something to our life. So what made you say, oh, let me go and do a meditation course instead of going to a bar and having a drink? Well, at the time when I decided uh, willingly to (laughs) sign up for a meditation course uh, when I was back in Dublin, um, there was a time of my life where war was raging in my head so I needed to find a way to calm things or find some respite I was in search of some peace of mind literally and I tried different approaches read various books because that's what you usually do when I encounter an issue or a problem I usually go to research (laughs) yes I'm a researcher so this is (laughs) this actually this attitude I I bring it everywhere through and through for whichever type of problem so or whichever issue then I try to solve it like in a scientific way so I need to gather evidence and I need to sort it out so the first thing I did it was going to (laughs) um, possibly a bookshop and trying to to, to find some uh, books that would probably help me out to solve the issue. And then I came across probably some related to self-help, the usual section of self-help, grab a few books, and they were talking about some of them, Taoism, um, I think, at the time. And then there was a hinting of slowing down, trying to f- make things simple and simple, perhaps embracing meditation. And then I told to myself, well, then, I'm going to go to the professionals that have been working with meditation in the past 2,500 years. So I signed up for a meditation course at the Buddhist uh, center in Dublin. And the reason they brought me there and the the reason why war was raging in my head, it was because it was at the end of my PhD journey. And my father unfortunately got sick during the time I was writing up my PhD thesis. And then unfortunately passed away. So um, there was a lot that was brought up by the loss of a parent. And uh, I didn't know and I didn't have the tools to go through grief, like no one does. It doesn't come with a manual, unfortunately. And at the time I picked up meditation because I thought perhaps this tool my work um, perhaps not and I remember I approached the course in a very very skeptical way I'm a scientist so I don't believe in these things per se but I had to try them these things exactly <laughs> yes if we met <laughs> if we met 10 years ago I would have been a completely different person but again meditation um, as I said is a technique so there is nothing um let's say, uh, transcendental to it. Well, actually, transcendental is not the right uh, way, uh, word to use, but rather, there's nothing strange about it. It's like, actually, you have to sit down, try it, and especially 
keep practicing because that's the only way that you can ripe benefits out of it. I'm quite curious, Lex, because I know, you know, we spoke recently that you had some quite extraordinary experiences in meditation. How does your scientific mind reconcile that? That's a very interesting question because I, my limitation in that is that uh, I will never be able to quantify those experiences or represent them or give them the right representation or the, the right, I don't know, um, I wouldn't be able to replicate them in a way that scientists would do in order to prove them and in order to be able to, to use the scientific method that is actually uh, uh, experiment, uh, use experiments or prove them over and over again so that the results are basically uh, coming always the same. In this case, it's difficult. But the reality is that as a science is, we know very little very little about very few things. And it's true that our uh, tools are limited. So scientifically, I cannot investigate those experiences. But on the other hand, because I, tr- um, I experienced them firsthand, I know that they are real. And as a such and such. So hold on, you're a scientist saying things that cannot be proven are real. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, uh, within my own personal experience, yes. Based I'm just on that. teasing you. I love it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I was very, um, I think I've shared this with you before and I've spoken about it many times on the podcast. I was very inspired by Ken Wilber's book, The Brief History of Everything. And in there, he really talks about how these four dimensions of our existence, how there's an inner and an outer, a personal and a collective. And he said, you know, science is so good at measuring the outer on a collective level and on an individual level. But when it comes to the interior, right, you can you can scan a person's brain activity and not know what they're actually feeling, right, or why. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that idea of sort of the inner is uh, very mystical and almost science just can't penetrate it. But when you've experienced it, it is the most real thing ever. Well, I wish I could replicate the experience having my head stuck in an MRI machine. <laughs> I've been thinking about it a lot, but unfortunately, it's not, uh, it's not that easy. And yes, you can't even replicate it. Like you can't sit down and say, OK, I'm going to have a super deep meditation. And, and this is no. the beauty of the spiritual practice that every now and then it's like you're disciplined. You practice, you practice, you practice. And then every now and then some force is just like, there you go. Taste that. Boom. And you just drop into this much deeper space and... I mean, those are some of the experiences that are most precious to me in my life. And, and you just, you can't explain them, but they're so, they, they fulfill you on such a deep soul level. But yeah, you, you, you don't get them every time you meditate. They happen very randomly and it's, it's very mystical and beautiful actually how it happens. And it's true also the opposite. When you believe that you got somewhere with your practice, then there you go. You actually fall down the horse of the horse and then <laughs> your ego is a little bit bruised because <laughs> when you go down sitting on the cushion, you think, oh yes, today I'm going to experience this super depth of meditation and mindfulness. And actually you're not. You're just, your mind starts wandering back and forth, right and left. And you say, oh no, again. Yeah, because there's there's that clinging, right? Um, yes. I was just having a, a tea ceremony this morning, and this uh, guy asked me like, how do I, how do I not get stressed? Like, how do I turn off this like constant stimulation, constant drive, constant activity? And my answer to him was, in my experience, that it's letting go of the attachment to the results of our action, something that we've spoken about, you know, as entrepreneurs, you know, this is, this is a tricky thing, you need to be driven. But when you're too driven, you completely drain yourself and and break yourself. And it's the same in meditation. And I think meditation teaches you this, that as soon as you're trying to meditate, or you're trying to be at peace, or you're trying to get somewhere, you're nowhere, you're lost. As soon as you let go, then you're somewhere. And that in itself is such a beautiful thing to be able to train yourself. I think it's one of the most beautiful things that meditation teaches us. It's a constant reminder. It's a constant, um, a little bit of, uh, not struggle, but rather trying to aiming uh, at keeping up with your practice as it is. And is a lesson in itself, the as it is. Keep it as it is, is basically <laughs> the, equi- the essence of mindfulness, taking everything just as it is. But we uh, come to the questions, like we come to a board meeting with all those sorts of expectations. So we definitely, as a species, but then depending on personalities, we tend to want to control the situation that is um, that we are living in. But 
we don't have any control whatsoever and that's where our ego unfortunately starts screeching in the back <laughs> and for for holding on to something for dear life that's what happens so i can never fail to think <laughs> of the ego without hearing your words that you shared in one of the tea ceremonies <laughs> with us where you said this infamous words i'm gonna send my ego out to buy a packet of cigarettes <laughs> and never come back <laughs> But he's back. Guess who's back? Unfortunately, so. He always comes back. <laughs> he always comes back. Those packs of cigarettes just aren't big enough. But more and more, I noticed that my ego is getting a little bit more educated and a little bit more polite. And he knows <laughs> or uh, when to leave the room quietly. So sometimes. Some other times he's a little bit more strong and a little bit more whiny child that stomps his feet and <laughs> starts to cry. But apart from this, uh, these rare instances... Uh, more and more what happens uh, practicing um, meditation and also working uh, through your mindfulness and your patterns and a lot of archetypes that come visit you, when you start to get to know them and you start to get to know yourself, even off the meditation cushions, you ripe the benefits of all this practice, of all these working onto yourself because you realize that uh, during everyday life, um, when things really change in the sense that mindfulness is a shift, is a change and your perspective changes and your actions are not reactions. And that's in that there is freedom. And that's what I'm aiming towards. So that's the beauty of it. I'd love to talk a little bit about holding space since you mentioned the archetypes because holding space, which for those listening who don't know about it, it's a, it's a four month course that I run more or less once a year, um, which is, a journey into holding space for ourselves. I love how you're laughing. <laughs> because I'm finally giving the testimonial. Yes, the Alexia has been escaping my testimonial. But no, I really just want to talk about it because it's such a, it's something that I love. I love being like the space that we share in the holding space, which is we, we have a lot of tea together. And those tea ceremonies are so deep and so beautiful. And it's really difficult for me to communicate to people what exactly holding space is all about. And I just like want you to share a little bit about your experience. Let's just talk about it and maybe give people kind of an understanding of what it's all about. Because again, like it's something that I love the most. I think of all the things that I do at Sanya, it's the thing that I love the most. And um, so I really want to share it more with people. Well, <clears throat> all this space is a little bit difficult to, to, to sum up in few words. But what I can say is that it's a four month journey and as in any journey each one i took the course twice has been very very different so um, as a journey uh, having the chance to explore and going within for four months is actually a unique opportunity because it allows you to focus uh, in going within a little bit deeper every single time you have a session and every single time also you bear a little bit more your soul and with the people that participate to the course because it's quite unique in terms of uh, topics <laughs> if you like but also in terms of methodology and program because really there is no program every time that's my secret Lex <laughs> <laughs> so every time everything that emerges during the session is what really is going to be the, is the focus of the session itself and um, yes the archetypes as such are guides that allow us to go deeper and deeper and getting to know ourselves a little bit more every single time. And with the people that participate to the course, um, what is created is a very strong bond and also a safe space where people can bear their soul, even though it sounds really scary. is actually not. It becomes a very natural process because of the trust that is created within the group and because of the safe space that is created. Uh, thanks to Yasmin, it is actually leading us into knowing ourselves more and more. It's possible to open up and allow us to be more vulnerable and more so courageous in a way, because that's what vulnerability is, according to Rene Brown. <laughs> and that, that's what makes it so beautiful, right? That from just these sharing these spaces together, the safety that you can actually say things that are super deep, super meaningful and, and help you to get to be a bit more authentic with yourself, even about the things that are a bit sticky or a bit heavy. Just for listeners who, who don't know, because we, we mention a lot the archetypes, one of the things that we go into in the holding space is the four core archetypes that every person has, which is the child, the victim, the saboteur and the prostitute. And um, yeah, I, I don't have actually a program. I don't have a syllabus. Like every time we would have the tea ceremony, which would be on the topic of the victim, 
I mean, I share my own experience, right? Because I have spent a lot of time getting to know my archetypes. So it's kind of a natural process to just share, you know, what the archetype means to me and my own um, struggles with it, my own challenges, the beauties of the lessons, actually, that having the chat with that kind of archetype can bring me. But as you said, like, in every moment, what comes up through the people, like, and the mood that we all happen to be in in that moment is completely unique. So if we take, like, the victim tea ceremony from the first group and from the second, it was just a completely, totally different um, chat. And for me, that's, I think, why I love the course so much, because the tea kind of sets the tone for that, like, let's just drop in to this receiving and letting, like, receiving our own feelings and also receiving this kind of lesson from the divine nature instead of me saying like okay the victim has these characteristics and these personalities and it comes in this moment and that moment it's more of a just like let's sit and reflect and let our own inner self speak and I mean the wisdom that all of you have shared with each other in the course is far beyond what I could ever say right because like we all have that wisdom inside and in the right setting where we can stop and let it out you know, we're just mind-blowing what comes out of everyone. That's that's very true, to be more authentic to ourselves and to ultimately others, the people that are surrounding us, that live with us, share um, our uh, journey in this, in this planet, on this planet. But I think that it's very important also having um, a host, like in this case, Yasmin, that allows us to create that environment, the safe environment where everybody can share the most intimate part of themselves, not even sometimes knowingly, because that's part of the journey on getting to know yourself better. And in doing so, there is a lot of healing. And that healing process is a very, very, very deep level. And this is something that you're going to bring with you in everyday life. And again, when you then uh, put together your pieces, back your pieces, because sometimes you break down. Actually, not sometimes, every time. <laughs> someone crying <laughs> and breaking down, but in a very good way, because then... After Sell the, it, Lex. Like, make it sound good. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> You're gonna be a much more whole person that you were when you started. <laughs> I was the joking beginning. with um, with Alex the other day, and we were talking about uh, I I don't know what it was like a tea ceremony or something or a breathing or I don't know what it was and and I said oh you know it was like everyone was quite relaxed in the session but you know there were a few people that cried and she just looked at me and she goes nice. And I was like, only around here would people crying be considered a success? Like, yes. yes. <laughs> exactly. Because ultimately, really, we become much more vulnerable when we open up ourselves. But in doing so, again, there is a lot of healing happening and a growth. And this is personally what is my aim, to grow and develop as a human being into the possible, into the... In, to my potential, into the best possible version of myself. And this is the process to go through it. And we've, I have been extremely lucky and extremely grateful to the fact that I had the chance to do it, the Holding Space course, twice, with a, such a great host and especially such a great lead, because that's what Yasmin is doing, is basically leading us and uh, holding our hands when sometimes we need it or giving us a hug and allow us to navigate through waters that are not really clear most of the times. So also life is happening um, in parallel to the course. And this actually helps us to focus on certain aspects more than others, because as someone told me once, life is triggering. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of occasion to test what you learn during the course. <laughs> and actually, that's, that's the beauty, right, of being together for four months, because... Like you could go to like a week or a two week or a one month or a one day and kind of be okay. But over four months, for sure, you're going to get, you know, the rug pulled out under your feet at some point. And it is really beautiful yeah. to learn to be okay with exposing that, right? Like we have such a instinct to just when we're not okay to isolate ourselves and hide and not show people that we're not okay. It's, it can be excruciatingly painful to be vulnerable with others but at the same time, this is why I love the words holding space, because I think it's something that we need to do, not just in the sort of healing space, but as we go out there into the world, like the way we interact, the way we welcome each other, the way we give each other presence, if we can deepen that and actually create this kind of safety for people to drop a little bit deeper into 
what they really want to say or what they really feel, it can make such a huge impact to the way we interact, even with complete strangers, right? And it is it is something that's tricky to learn, again, because of this instinct to shy away from our vulnerability. But once you start practicing it, it actually starts feeling really good. Yes, no, it's actually very true. This is the, uh, the power of mindfulness that is um, practiced at this level. And also it is enriched by the... Deeping, uh, deepening the knowledge of the archetypes. I mean, archetypes, um, possibly Yasmin can correct me if I'm wrong, but they are just symbols to that represents deeper part of ourselves. So it's a way to get to know them um, in a little bit more friendly way. And sometimes they can become a little bit annoying and a little bit out of control or um, between the interplay of the light and the shadow. And that's more the technical aspect of it that all of you are going to learn during the courses, <laughs> uh, allows, you, allows you to gain tools to understand them better. And this then allows you during your, in your daily life to navigate life a little bit uh, more at ease or at least not being overwhelmed by what's happening around you. And that's the thing is that having the chance to go through a four-month course, for sure there is the the chance to have what happens during a session uh, during the course to um, get into your daily life and vice versa. Your daily life gets into the course. So it's a very unique uh, course and very unique tools, provide very unique tools to, again, navigate you through life and get to know yourself a little bit deeper. (laughs) Thank you, dear. Thank you for sharing that. And maybe we can talk a little, because I don't want this to be like an ad for holding space, right? Like, But it's a great course. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like it is, a, it is a nice umbrella, right, for the go within discussion, because yes. even just learning how to hold space for ourselves, even to just like be okay with not being okay, being okay with breaking down, being okay to start being real with ourselves about what we really feel instead of distracting and running mm. away and freaking out. It's so helpful. And obviously, like we're both entrepreneurs, so we related to that level of, you know, bringing all of this into the workspace, which is something that I talk about often as well, because, you know, self-development and becoming a better person doesn't need to be something that you only do on the yoga mat or you only do when you're praying. But it's like, OK, how can we, we take that and actually bring it into the world, whether it's raising kids or growing a business or in an intimate relationship, wherever it is, like those principles of hold space for how you feel and get better at not, you know, dumping, projecting and, and creating chaos with your emotions, similarly not like freezing and rejecting them and, and hurting yourself, um, but then also being able to be that space for others so that you actually make others feel safe to also drop uh, deep into that. So like maybe you can just share a little bit about how that's been for you, like bringing it into like where does it meet your journey as an entrepreneur? Uh, yes, of course, because I have to say that the journey of um, being an entrepreneur started very recently, um, despite me being over 40. And uh, apparently this is the best uh, time for our age for someone to start an entrepreneurial journey, has been told. I don't know if it was just pure flattering. But anyway, uh, the thing is that um, I the intention that I set when I started my entrepreneurial journey was to have a company that where to which I could express myself and the expression of myself again as I said ultimately is to have everything around me using as a tool to allow me to grow and develop and so also is my company that is Blue Ecotech and which main service is actually to support the marine environment specifically so the idea is that to create a company where I can use all my technical skills that I gained all over these years um, to support the environment and but in doing so I have to be very careful because again ego is just <laughs> around the corner and especially the one that has been so um, intertwined with my own identity as a scientist so in that case every time knocks at the door I have to be a little bit more mindful and a little bit more present and knowing that what I'm set to do right now is actually in order to provide my skills as a service and making sure that I do it from a place of love rather than from a place of validation of my own ego. So in that case is a a very tall order actually more than any um, uh, publication of any scientific paper or journals or any other accomplishment that I had before. And in that doing also I know that I can really support 
the environment and especially here in Malta that I think that requires some special TLC in, ten, in <laughs> tender love care uh, because things are not going really, really well. But I know that I can actually provide the type of skills that are needed and the actual, this actually fulfills me and also allows me to align my main values with my actions. So Maybe like I'm remembering Lex how much we talked about that very beautiful topic when it comes to you know activism and so on about how to as you said like so beautifully sort of manage your ego and make it about kind of what you're doing instead of clinging to I need to save the world I need to change the world or if it's not activism in business it would be like I need to make this much money or I need to get my business to x many countries or I need x many followers like we torture ourselves so much by you know making business and letting it get intertwined with our identity, as you said, like then when the business isn't going well, we're down under the table. And when it's going well, we're like on top of the world and our ego is yeah. is huge. And I mean, for me personally, it's that's been one of the richest thing of the business is like, how do you detach and just focus on giving from a place of just pure love and expression for the mission that you're trying to serve and constantly telling yourself let go of the result let go of I remember at the beginning like my ego and my self-esteem was just like perfectly correlated to the revenue sales day by day you know like good sales day I'm the best I'm so good I'm such a great entrepreneur bad sales day like that's it end of the world and eventually it teaches you to just realize that you're not you know the performance of your business either like you're so much more than that but it's quite an entertaining ride along the way. It's uh, for sure the most challenging ride that I had so far. Um, being an entrepreneur at the moment, uh, the, the best way I could describe it is like being on a roller coaster, a continuous roller coaster or a salad spinner. It was the latest of the analogy I could come up with, but this is the best way to representing it. Um, having said that, the, child, the, the, the journey gets even more challenging because of the wanting to use this as a tool or a way, uh, again, to keep um, following uh, the growth and development path, as we said up until now, and also trying to let go constantly of the need of looking at the results because your sense of self-validation it comes from the results, or at least used to be in, uh, in my previous, let's say, um, professional life. Now I want to get things to turn around, but obviously all the old patterns are kicking in and every time that a new challenge or something I'm not uh, doing for the first time, because obviously being an entrepreneur, not having done anything such a thing before, everything is new, everything you have to learn from scratch and a lot of mistakes are done. So this really sets a lot of the old patterns, triggers you a lot. And it's a quite considerable challenge. So I have to keep reminding myself constantly not to get entangled with the need of thinking about the results as the main outcome there. And also one of my main, <laughs> um, let's say, um, issues are with failure, problems with failure. So failing for me is something that really, really scares me. And there is a lot of failing in this in order to be able to move forward. Otherwise, you're going to get stuck and, and never go ahead. And so I have to say there's been a quite interesting few months up until <laughs> now. But one of the solutions, uh, just to connect with where we started with all this conversation, is actually... Um, Practice, practicing mindfulness, having my meditation practice, and uh, this all sum up to spiritual life. Using the adjective spiritual usually scares a lot of people around, especially when it comes associated with business. But it is possible to make a conscious business. It's possible to bring this as part of your business life. It doesn't have just to be everything related to profit or to greed. It, there could be, there, there is an alternative out there. And at least this alternative is the path I'm following it right now and it's working for me. So I invite you to try and see <laughs> for yourself. Yeah, I mean, I love it. You know, I think actually personal development makes you much better at your job, right? Like being more aware of what's triggering you, what your fears are and being able to consciously take decisions from a real awareness instead of just kind of reactively and impulsively, like feeling fear, not understanding and rejecting an opportunity or getting stuck just because you don't even know that you're scared you know for me it makes perfect sense that the more you grow as an individual the better you're going to be in your business in your relationships and so on 
Um, for me, like that's the most beautiful part of business is actually that it even fuels back into that, right? I when I had first started my business, um, more than ten years ago now, scary to say, um, that phrase came into my mind like let your business be your sadhana. Sadhana means your spiritual practice, and. I love that, you know, analogy because your business is your spiritual practice in a way because every time it's like in meditation, you're trying to concentrate and then your mind wanders and the practice is bringing it back. And in business, you know, you're there with your good intention to be, you know, Zen and like just giving. And then you realize like, oh, I'm clinging or, oh, I'm scared of failing. And that's kind of feeding that inner process of learning to understand yourself better, learning to make different choices, yeah, bringing like a higher level of thinking to the to solve the problem that you're facing. So for me, it's like, how can you even separate them, right? And that's why I loved um, chatting to Jen, who you also know, because that idea of, you know, separating the business from the spiritual, actually, or, or let's say the business from the personal, maybe. Um, it's such an illusion because, you know, who you are and, and the state of your psyche is how you show up at work. And if you're in, in a triggered state, if you're in fear, how, how are you going to perform at your best? Also, this is very true if you are um, always been working in a, a business or anyways having a professional life that is highly linked with one of the, your biggest passion, like is my case. So for me, it's very, very difficult to um, separate them all because... I love the marine environment since I was a child. And actually, that's what brought me those experiences that I, experiences that I had when I was a child. Um, that's what brought me actually to choose a career in marine science, go through a PhD, uh, and all the scientific rest of the scientific career that I keep, kept working on until, um, uh, until recently before in, uh, embracing the entrepreneurship journey that is still actually is based on technical and scientific type of um, work. So all of that came together into this new form that is Blue Ecotech, so where there is a lot of passion going on, a lot of having to deal with my ego <laughs> on a daily basis, <laughs> but it's a very, very exciting and a very, very challenging journey at the same time. So um, I'm very happy that of the, the path that I took, and I'm actually looking forward to see what actually is, the future is going to bring. But again, I remember, I actually pieced back uh, the reason why I've been uh, choosing this career in marine science when I start to look, and having the tools of mindfulness to look back how and recognizing me as a child when I was, a, a, I remember, eight-year-old swimming back in the sea in, uh, in the Gulf of Naples. That's where I am originally from. In the small island in the Gulf of Naples, it's called Ischia. And I used to go there with my family for holiday. And <laughs> I remember my parents giving me the first set of snorkel and mask, putting my head underwater, and that was it. Well, I fell literally love, and I also felt whole. I remember this... Um, this experience when I was much older, when I was starting to do meditation, and uh, well, during one of my meditation experiences, and I felt this sense of wholeness when I was part of this bigger environment. And in my head, I always had this equation of, if I embark in a journey and I choose a profession that brings me to the sea, I will be happy. Well, things went away, but I discovered that happiness is something else. <laughs> and it comes from a much deeper wholeness from, that comes from within. And from yes, being part of um, with a uh, one with the divine. So it's something that then was got clear to me when I kept mm, developing my spiritual life. And now this richness comes with me, and every day I work. So I don't have to depend from the number of publications that I have or uh, the type of successes, number of conferences I attend, and so on and so forth. But still, it's the passion that fueled me up until now. And that's why it's very difficult to separate professional from personal from, from spiritual life. So everything comes together in one. <laughs> yeah. You're reminding me, it's not that related, but I'm, I'm just going to share it anyway. Like this, this idea of, you know, life being triggering and then us being able to have that confidence to just respond to whatever feeling comes up, right? It's like you can go into work knowing that if something triggers you, if it causes you pain or if it causing, causes you pleasure, then you can just digest it and not have that really throw you off. I think that's one of the the beautiful things of the inner journey is that, you you get this peace within yourself, not just 
from a connection point of view, but also, and, and maybe it's actually the same thing, right? That when you're connected with your own emotions and you're at peace with everything outside of you, but as soon as you reject or resist a certain emotion, which is easy to do if you're not training yourself to, <laughs> sorry, I was sound uh, absorbers are just falling off the wall one by one. <laughs> the ego peeling itself off one by one. Like. So we have another metaphor to add to the c- collection of brilliant metaphors. <laughs> In fact, it's very sad that you haven't mentioned the flamethrower yet. Not yet. I'm very upset about that. <laughs> Lex has this very beautiful way of um, treating her ego and all the archetypes with a flamethrower. <laughs> Or, unfortunate, passing by people in case I get very upset and the Godzilla part of me comes out. That's another. I mean, unfortunately, it wasn't into the archetypal book. So, I mean, I had to make my own. You made your own archetype, Lex. Yes. I mean, that's what happens when you do holding space twice. twice huh? You create your own archetypes. <laughs> and then we become everything very, very, very busy. Lots of archetypes coming together at the same time. Well, I love I love the way like as I said in the beginning you know this humor that you bring you know is it's so it's so refreshing because the seriousness you know with which we approach our ego and our patterns like it really blocks us actually from healing when we can just laugh at ourselves and I think again this is why I've told you many times that you have this leadership quality in you because we need to lead from our own example that it is okay to to show our own ego to call it out and just laugh at it and say listen you know this was my ego right there like let's have a giggle and as soon as you laugh at it it, it really dissolves the, its power yes. over you just, just disintegrates so I, I still hope that you're going to get into spiritual stand-up at some point yes spiritual stand-up comedy <laughs> coming soon Natanya. yes we are going to have a, a series soon <laughs> um it would be nice Lex if you just talk a little bit about your experience like doing buddhist style practice i i don't know much about buddhist um, practice obviously there are a lot of similarities from the yoga tradition um, but i think it's really beautiful that you have a very strong connection to your own practice but you're also very open like we've shared a lot of different you know teas and breathings and meditations you've met my teacher and i really love that about you that you have this commitment to your own practice which i believe in a lot like i believe that we should you know really commit to a practice because it's very easy to just jump from one to the other but at the same time it's really healthy to keep that openness because ultimately the divine can come to us in any form and just closing that door mm. um, is just another form of fear or ego and and so on so maybe you can just i don't know if that inspires you to share mm. anything about that yes of course um in the initial phase that I mentioned before, uh, I when I was exploring uh, possible alternatives that would allow me to quiet down the war, the raging war that was going on in my head, I ex- I explore it in the only way that I know by in different books. So I try to explore different um, type of practice or traditions, and. It seems to me, after perhaps what it can be sound like a, a superficial analysis that in the end, there are more similarities than differences across all the different practices in the world. I touched a little bit of Taoism, and a little bit of Buddhism, Hinduism, and so on and so forth. And then you tend to mm, fall and stick with something that is really your cup of tea. Not because the other practices are bad or something that, it's just something that perhaps you resonated most. And a practice like another is a tool or a set of tools or in this case, really a whole toolbox. <laughs> so thanks to the toolbox, then you're allowed to grow and develop, find your way through your spiritual life. And uh, I had the chance to many, many times talk with Yasmin about the differences or the similarities of our practices and our spiritual traditions. And again, I really find more similarities than differences. The beauty of it is that we, as practitioner of different traditions aim towards the same goal that is actually free of ourselves from <laughs> our ego that possibly one day will finally live and find their own their own apartment or <laughs> something else and get free from all of that all that conditioning all that um, closing down all that uh, petty little uh, issues that are related with egos, that are related with accepting something or wanting and craving something from rejecting it or being in complete delusional state. It really limits a lot our potential as human beings. So we're really, our ultimate aim, our ultimate goal is to 
uh, moving towards the best uh, possible version that we could ever be. And that's the journey that we are both embarking on. And in this case, we can holding each other up and um, backing up each other and actually walking together, holding our hands. Even in fact, as you were speaking, I was thinking like, it's not just the end goal that we share, but also the experience, right? Because you can have two different complete techniques, but the experience and the feeling of what you go through is very similar. Um, in fact, we had a very similar experience to do with sort of this experience of feeling the divine mother and connecting yes. with this sort of a very feminine uh, yeah the, the divine is the only word you can really use even though it's yeah. you know a bit make, uh, make esoteric the, <laughs> make the divine uh, your mother and i still remember when yasmin mentioned this sentence the very first time it was i think a couple of years ago it took me almost two years to understand to deeply understanding and we're not talking about here an intellectual understanding but rather the emotional equivalent to the under, uh, to the intellectual understanding and when you get that you get a much deeper sense is a felt sense of that expression is a felt sense of that experience that goes beyond words because it's your gut level and i wouldn't have any other word to basically describe it if not that but once you have that experience when you have that um, uh, kind of uh, emotional understanding, then that part, that becomes part of you and it never leaves. <laughs> and it's so beautiful to share. I remember when you messaged me, you know, after you had that experience and it was just, you know, no words were needed, you know, like I, I could so relate to what you were saying and obviously like for your side as well to share with someone who had a similar experience, you know, it just there's this like spiritual sisterhood or like brotherhood yes. and it's just it's so connecting and like we are so much deeper and so much more than like the labels that we put on like oh because I'm from this tradition and I'm from this tradition like, Absolutely. I, I, totally I love to that. relate to people who have completely different practices to me but the essence is always the same uh, yesterday I was reading a book about Sufism and I have a good friend who like I he's super catholic and he's had very similar experience to what I've, i have had through yoga and i think it's it's a message i always want to give again and again because i think when you first come across a path it's very easy to and natural to go all in and, and think that this is the best because it's the best for you but exactly. it's really important to like keep that open mind as well and and just let any experience come right i've had so many spiritual experiences I've, I had a very deep one in a mosque, which I never, you know, taught. I, I don't know anything about Islam, really and truly. Um, in church, in a temple, in actually in holy places of every single tradition. And there's almost something even more sweet, you know, and beautiful about it. I, I really feel and like it's important for us to, to remember this and, and to remind each other not to get too closed off because spirituality is the opposite. It's about opening. And this proves exactly, your words proves exactly my, my thoughts, that this shows that we are made of the, the same essence. That's it. So the different tradition just allows us to walk a path using different signposts that does, look slightly different. But again, these signposts that, uh, again, people from different uh, tradition across centuries have been laying down for us to follow we might resonate with one path rather than other but ultimately we are gonna go towards the same goal towards the same aim and that's the beauty of it because again we are made of the same stuff <laughs> yeah. just to put it simply yeah it's really sweet to be able to share the spiritual journey you know yeah. and, and share these experiences um like maybe we can just kind of start to end the podcast with just it just came to my mind so i'm gonna follow it like, what would you say to someone who's struggling? Because along the spiritual journey, as much as we have the highs, we also have the lows. We have the crawling under the table moment. We have those moments of deep shame, deep self-rejection, deep, you know, resistance of everything that we're experiencing. And again, another thing that I love about you is that you're very open about when you're struggling. And I think it's so beautiful and it really kind of opens us up to help. But it's it's very difficult to do, actually, to like open when everything in you is saying close. <laughs> yes, no, definitely. Again, um, what I found very important throughout my journey in those moments of closeness um, and feeling down because perhaps things are not, going, are not working well and also life is actually giving you a nice lap 
is having a sangha, having a community that is supporting you. That's very, very important. Um, and this is true across all different uh, traditions. And also remember that the, the path you're walking, the path, the journey you're on is uh, uh, on a sp- developing on a, sp- on a spiral way. So in some moments when you're really feeling down because something, has, something pops up again, this is something that happens to me a lot. Pops up again, and you think, "Oh well, you're you're here again." I mean, I thought I dealt with you a while ago. Why why is this thing happening again? Why am I am I uh, stuck again in the same pattern? And then you start to get frustrated. You start to get upset with yourself. That's that, at least what I do. And you think, "Oh my God, I'm a failure. I didn't learn from the ten thousand times I <laughs> came across this kind of uh, behavior that I have, and I'm still responding in the same way." But the truth is you are encountering again the pattern. You're encountering again that specific behavior that is so irritating for you just because you're facing it at a much deeper level. So it's not a sign of failure. It's actually you are progressing, like you yourself told me a few times when I came to you in a moment of frustration, you know, like a child getting frustrated because things are not working like they should. But again, is expectation. We are laying over expectation that we should be better, we should be enlightened after five minutes, but it doesn't work the way. It requires hard Fast work. Fast food enlightenment. <laughs> exactly. So the truth is just be patient with yourself, with kindness. Be Sit with yourself and say, okay, I noticed, perhaps this time I noticed earlier than before. So this means that I'm building up resilience. And just give yourself an inner hug and and then just l- drop it for a second and then go back at it with kindness. That's the, the, the biggest of the advice I will give. But I have to it's a good reminder for myself, so I should listen to it. <laughs> it's such beautiful advice. Like that self compassion, that gentleness, like just if you're struggling, move slow, be kind with yourself, you know. Check your expectations. Stop being so hard on yourself. Yeah. I think that gentleness, you know, with ourselves is something that the challenge and the struggle is there to teach us. And it's not easy to learn when we're not struggling. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. So it's actually even part, that's a sign of progress. <laughs> yes, yes, totally. Lex, thank you so much. For My pleasure to be here. For sharing your wisdom <laughs> and your experiences. I so look forward to sharing many more teas and meditations and breathings and And especially hugs i'm very good at that (laughs) yes (laughs) to everyone listening thank you so much i hope you enjoyed this one as always like if you feel like this inspired you in some way if you can share it along to someone who might need a little bit of encouragement along the inner journey then we always appreciate that and if you have any feedback and also share it it's nice to know that you're actually listening by hearing a little bit from you um it's always appreciated and i'm really trying to podcast more because i do love it i love these conversations and i love sharing them with you all so thank you again and uh best wishes along your inner journeys <laughs> thank you like my pleasure but I'm not-